0: Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game-changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory-installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com.
1: Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness more than just melatonin all these ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off sleep is on the way at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y.com hey
0: everybody welcome back to Harvest nature's wild fishing game podcast you got your host here justin townsend and today we are going to be doing things a little different. Today, uh, I am doing another podcast revisit. Uh, it's been turkey season for a little while now. Uh, some of the crew has gotten out turkey hunting. Other members of the crew have not. But we thought we'd reshare one of our more pa- more popular past turkey episodes so that you could get some tips and tricks and, of course, talk about Some wild food, uh, especially those turkey recipes, given that it's the season. Hopefully uh, more to follow from the crew on some recent turkey updates. But until then, uh, for your listening pleasure, uh, listen to Corey and some of his buddies with Turkey Hunting is Hard.
1: Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show is you're gonna leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to the Harvest Nature Wild Fish and Game Podcast. This is Corey, and I am here with a few of my friends again in northwestern Pennsylvania. And we are talking about turkey hunting tonight, because here in a couple weeks it is going to open in Pennsylvania, and I, I believe it's open in other parts of the country right now. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners about our Adventures for Food podcast. comes out every other Sunday, and if you have a story, please email us at What's cooking at nature.com and we'll get you on the show to tell your story. Uh, also, join our Facebook community page. It is called the Wild Fish and Game Community. The link will be in the show notes. So, today's episode is sponsored by Allen Company. They were nice enough to send us some gear, some of their shocker series gear for us to use for this turkey season. So, if you go to buyallen.com and use coupon code Harvest10, you'll get 10% off your order. So thank you, everybody at Allen Company. And tonight, I have Tyler, Jeremy, and Tony. Uh, You may recognize them from our Mountain Men of Pennsylvania episode. We'll start off with each of them telling a little bit about themselves in terms of turkey hunting, what you've been up to, getting ready for the season and whatnot. So, Jeremy, do you want to go first?
3: Uh, My name's Jeremy Criswell. Um... In terms of this season, I haven't done a whole lot yet. I've been out kind of scouting. I've been doing a lot of shed hunting, so I've been kind of scouting for turkeys uh, while I'm doing that. Heard a couple birds the other day, goblin going crazy, so that was pretty exciting. Um, I don't know. I've been kind of taking a a little bit easy on turkeys this year. I've been focusing a lot on shed hunting this year, but uh, I'm sure I'll get after it here once the season rolls around i'm anxious to take my uh son out a little bit maybe get him out in the youth season he's gonna be seven. Well, he is seven he'll be eight this year so he's still pretty young but i want to get him out there get him hopefully get a bird maybe get you know coming in and get him exposed to it
2: anyhow but
3: that's about it for me
2: so you've had quite a bit of success turkey hunting in the in past seasons. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah, definitely. I've grown up turkey hunting. I've been hunt- hunting turkey since I was 12. Uh, i fortunate my dad got me into it real early. Even before I could hunt, we were always going out, and, I mean, that was his passion, was turkey hunting. So we'd go out, and there was a state, I think it was a state park down in Allegheny County, Mingo Park, and we they had birds everywhere, and we'd go and just mess around with them and call them and split up flocks and call them back in. And so, yeah, we did a lot of that. That was in the '90s, and there was a lot of turkeys in And um, yeah, up here in Warren County, since I moved here, I've killed quite a few birds. Last couple of years, I've killed a, quite a few birds. So you got two last year, two right? last year, and then one the year before. So yeah, Tony.
4: Hey, my name's Tony Finelli. Also a big turkey hunter. So like Jeremy, my dad got me into it when I was young. I can remember going out. Before I was old enough to hunt and sitting there, I actually remember my dad taking me and my sisters out together. I remember my first time my dad ever calling some birds in and I could hear them coming in and I was reaching down with my hands with my gloves off and signaling to my dad how many, there was two different birds and, uh, I ended up birds seeing my hands and <laughs> spooked off. So learned from, uh, maybe 10 years old that you need to be real still and, uh, be fully camoed up. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, I've been chasing turkeys for, I guess, 20 years now. So 25 years, um, uh, like Jeremy, I've got a young son, uh, Joey, and he's, uh, he's had some good success in the youth season in PA. He's, uh, he's going to be uh 10 this year and I've been able to get him a bird the last two years. Um, with the uh, youth season is a pretty cool opportunity. You can get out there a week earlier than everybody else. So
3: he missed one that year. With, uh, he did.
4: I he, mean, he's had too. three opportunities <laughs> in three years. So he's uh he spoiled the death. I think it's pretty cool with the different youth seasons that uh, the different, you know, states have now in Pennsylvania, especially with the, there's no minimum age. So um, yeah, he's had a lot of great experiences at a young age and, I think it's uh it's been enough to get them hooked so looking forward to going out here uh, it's actually two weeks away saturday so i'm gonna need to get out and do some scouting so i feel like uh you know you're if you're still a few weeks out and you haven't done any scouting or done a little bit of scouting it's actually probably not a bad thing because i feel like turkeys are still kind of moving around a little bit and yeah so um but i think i would say you know within a week or two of season then it's a good idea to you know get out ahead of time and start looking so I'm, I'm hoping to do that soon that's about it so Tyler
5: how can I follow these two I mean, <laughs> so if you remember from the last podcast I, I've, uh, I used to hunt and I haven't done it for probably 10 years these guys keep trying to coax me into going so maybe one of these years I'll go with them um, this will be the year make it the year. Let's make it the year. I'm going to guess
3: it's probably not going to be the
5: year. (laughs) It's probably not going to be the year, per our conversation earlier.
4: Yeah. Tyler got his fifth child on the way.
5: Yeah. Yeah,
3: so Um, Maybe next year. Maybe next year. We'll see.
5: (laughs) But turkey hunting was never really my grandfather's thing, so we never really went. So I went one time with a friend of mine, and I learned pretty quick he didn't really know what he was doing, (laughs) (laughs) because we didn't see any birds or anything, so... Yeah, i got to go with one of you guys that actually know what you're doing.
2: Yeah, we'd like to have you. Don't go with me. I don't know what the I'm doing. The best part with.
4: about turkey hunting is
2: you can get
4: out. I mean, the it gets light at 5.30. I mean, shooting hours might be 5.45, 6 o'clock at the beginning of the season, but by the end of the season, it's probably 5.30 or even earlier. So Yeah,
5: and the weather's a lot nicer too. Lot, the weather yeah. is
4: a lot nicer, and, uh, I mean, you can end up shooting a bird – coming home and being being home before the wife and the kids wake up even. So yeah. Yeah. now you're tired the rest of the day, and you might have to take a nap, which will make the wife happy. But
3: <laughs> Back before I had kids, I'd go out, shoot a bird, and still go to work. That's like go to work. Yeah, I could still make it to work on time. Definitely yeah. do
4: that. I've, I've done that a few times.
3: As long as, you're not, yeah.
4: not,
5: as long as you don't go too far away, right? Yeah, yep.
3: yeah. I wouldn't have much time, but enough time that – No, it's amazing.
4: Like, I I think that's one of my favorite parts about turkey hunting is, like, I don't know, you get into a pattern in wintertime, I think. At least I do, where I, you know, sleep in on the weekends and kind of get a little bit, I don't know, lazy, but, yeah, like, not being out there in the...
2: It wore on you last season, though. It did. Because you were out pretty much the whole season, didn't get one until the end of the season.
4: Yeah, I got pretty obsessive, so... Yeah, I... Uh, you waited until last day, didn't you? It was, like, about the 25th, Yeah. so I missed two turkeys, and, uh, yeah, on the 25th, I finally finally connected, but I don't think I might have missed one or two days the whole season, so... All those no. early mornings start to add they up. Do. They do. It's a grind, I mean, but I think it's, a, it's definitely one of the things with turkey hunting, too, though, is it's all about persistence, so... The more opportunities you have, the and the more I guess the more times you more go out. More hours yeah. spent out. Yep.
2: More hours spent out. It's the the one thing that you taught me or told me to do, which which helped was that in Pennsylvania we can't hunt on Sundays. So the season opens on a Saturday, and then the second day you can't hunt; it's a Sunday. And and you said, Tony, you said that go out scout that day because nobody else is going to be out. Everybody's yep you know tired re- yeah resting up from the day before so i went out and i located birds that morning we roosted them that night and then monday, monday morning. morning we found them and i i missed but <laughs> yeah. we found them you had
3: your opportunity
4: yeah I had
2: oh. did everything right except make a good shot but
4: something my dad would always do like my dad was always out on the sundays so he would let me sleep in usually and then he would come back home and tell me oh heard a bird here heard a bird there and it always would lead to a good Monday morning
3: hunt so last year wasn't it was an exceptional year because of the circumstances I mean obviously we had COVID last year and I mean that was you know I'm not saying that was a good thing but in terms of turkey hunting that gave me so much more opportunity to be out there because I didn't have to be at work as early I'm a teacher and we were doing online so I could I could tweak my schedule so I was out there I don't know. I was out there probably in February. I think I started or early like March or something. I was riding my bike and mountain and scouting. Then, but yeah, I mean, I was out there a lot last season.
2: Yeah, that's yeah.
3: That's one of the reasons why. I, I mean, we, you too. were out with me riding, yeah. riding your mountain or riding your bike too.
2: We want to talk about all, all aspects of turkey hunting tonight, from scouting and prepping for the season to different strategies and setting up on turkeys calling necessary equipment and then hopefully we can have time to touch on a few few of our favorite recipes but tony i know you wanted to talk about a little bit of turkey biology and 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 stuff so i'll yeah. let you uh...
4: so i think it's important to understand for you know beginners and people that don't know a lot about the biology of the turkeys is you're actually trying to reverse nature so in in nature, a gobbler is going to gobble and the hens are going to come to the gobbler. So when you're out there, you're trying to sound like a hen primarily. Um, I mean, there is some certain circumstances or some people that might try to call and sound like a Jake or uh, do some gobble calls. But f- for the most part, you're trying to sound like a hen and you're trying to convince that gobbler to come to you. So um, but it's sounds pretty easy. I mean, a lot of people that have seen turkeys in, uh, I guess more populated areas like cities. I mean, my sister sends me these pictures of wild turkeys that are in the Boston Walking area the and they're just like people's backyard. pecking at people's doors <laughs> and like, you know, but we get these, you know, if you're in a rural area and, uh, you know, you're not hunting them inside city limits, <laughs> turkeys can be pretty difficult. Um, so, you know, I guess it's just important to understand that, you know, you're trying to convince that gobbler to come to you. So, you know, the easiest way for that to happen is when there isn't any hens. So a lot of times right off the bat in the morning, um, it'll be a gobbler roosted with multiple hens. And it doesn't matter what you do, uh, you know, calling wise, uh, that bird is going to come down out of the roost and get with those hens and a lot of times those hens will be competitive. And if, you know, if you sound like a hot sassy hen, they're going to kind of lead him away from you. I've had that happen lots of times. So, um, but as the morning goes on and that gobbler breeds those hens, then they're going to go to nest. And so when they go to the nest and lot like Pennsylvania, you can hunt until noon for the first two weeks of the season. And then um, the last two weeks of the season you can hunt till five. When those hens go to nest, that's a great opportunity to be out in the woods because you might catch that gobbler without a hen. And if he doesn't have a hen, um, you know and you don't come right to him when he gobbles, he's gonna, he's gonna come to you. So um, your, your percentages of finding a bird and getting him to gobble, um, you know they do most of the gobbling on the roost in the morning. And then shortly after they come out of the roost. And so, I mean, there's exceptions to all this. But in general, you're going to hear a lot of gobbling on the roost. You're going, going to hear to a lot of gobbling off and in the you're first going to hear, half hour.
3: After that, you're not going to hear much. You're not going to hear much. But then it it will often pick up. And that's... Yep. I mean, and, you know, I mean,
4: your your odds go dramatic. Like, if you are out in the morning and you have the ability to hunt all morning, that's, that's the challenge we're talking about with work, right? Like, yeah. you know, a lot of times what will happen is you'll go out, you'll hear a bird, he'll gobble good on the roost. He'll come down, he'll gobble, you know, for maybe a half an hour and be with hens and he just won't come in. He's just going to stick with those hens and and then he'll shut up. And maybe for a half an hour, maybe for an hour, maybe for two hours, it's just, it's just all dependent. But if you got to go to work, you're kind of in trouble then you got to go to work, right? But if you have an opportunity where it's on a weekend, if you can stick with it and be patient, um, cover ground. I mean, and just try to call and and try to get a bird to gobble Um, one
3: thing too like if you're with kids i know my dad used to do this all the time we'd go get breakfast yeah like we would seriously we'd leave i mean it was different a little bit different because we were hunting smaller territory it wasn't like up here where you're out you know way out in the woods but if you're with kids go get breakfast go get pancakes you know and that's what he used to do with me he'd take me to breakfast and then we go back out and oftentimes when we went back out that's when we were having having success Yep hot it, tip yeah yeah go to breakfast Go to breakfast yeah i mean there was just uh, <laughs> a big I remember, stack <laughs> i can't remember
4: if this is somebody that told me this or if it was an article but i remember like there was this turkey biologist and that was like one of his things is like he wouldn't hunt turkeys first thing in the morning like he was you know believer and just he would go out at like 10 o'clock and and hunt and so you know you're not going to hear as many birds at that point but the ones you do hear your your odds are Dramatically increase that that yeah. bird's going to come in, and like, it'll happen quick.
3: They'll yeah. fire up real quick, like, and they're coming. You might, you might yeah. just hear one gobble, and all, that's yep. it. That's all it takes. Is and you make a couple calls, and which that's, that's a segue see.
4: into like another topic is maybe I don't know if we want to cover that now, but you know how much to call, and so yeah, you. you know if you're if you're gonna you know you, it's uh it's almost like an ego thing when you call and a bird gobbles, it's like oh yeah, I made a good call, you know, but. You can almost work against yourself by calling too much. Not almost. You can definitely work against yourself because the more you call, the more that that gobbler's expecting that you're going to come to him. Yeah. And so I've had it happen before where I'll have a bird that's, that's coming my way and I you know get a little – overconfident and you know you can get that and you, you just get that uh feedback right because it's yeah, like you call getting that like, oh, constant awesome. feedback. You know, it's yeah.
3: like you hear that bird gobble, like all right you know but the uh, gobbler's also thinking like hey she's gonna come to me exactly you know? so yep. then it just goes the opposite direction and-,
4: and the more you call the more that they can pinpoint your location which you know gobblers if you ever look at a turkey they don't even have an external I mean, they do have an external ear opening, but they don't have an ear like the way that we have an ear, right? And so, but it's amazing how a bird with a little head like that and a little tiny ear with some hairs covering it, ha- the directional hearing that they have—that's that's why they're always turning, turning their head. Their head, head. Is that's how they pinpoint? Yep. And it, but it's incredible how they can. I mean, people will say like, if you dug a hole in the ground and called out of that hole, you know, turkey can walk right over and. You know look down at that hole you know from you know you call one time from 150 yards away and a bird would walk right over and look down that hole i believe it i mean it's it's pretty incredible so but the more you call the more they know exactly where you are and the more that they're looking for you you got a potential for them to look look for you to come to them so
2: and they have great eyesight i was doing some research on their eyesight like what do humans have like 2020 well as far as like the rods and cones like we have oh. like you know single rods and like but they have like double they have like two double cones like the, they have significantly better eyesight than than humans do so they they can pick out any movement yeah anything that looks it's funny like it's the
3: movement i mean as soon as they yeah. just any little and then, And just really small movements too. I know I've gotten busted out of a tree stand a couple of times. Oh, I know. Like being in archery
4: season. I've had incredible, I had a bird. I was out on a hunt in Illinois and I was in a tree stand and I had a fall turkey tag and the officer told me, I've been seeing, you know, guys have been seeing some gobblers in here. So, you know, just be aware and be ready. And I remember I heard a bird, I heard some scratching. I didn't move any of my body. I just twisted my head to the right. And I had one of these birds at like a hundred yards, pick me off out yeah. of the tree like nothing. I mean, I
3: it's it's yeah. it's amazing. It's just like, are you kidding yeah. me? Like, really? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: It's it can be very frustrating. But yeah, I think they're they're looking for. I just saw this article here recently that the number one killer of, Hent, they did a study in Pennsylvania Owls? on uh, it was uh, it was bobcats.
6: Oh, okay.
4: So the number one thing that got turkeys in pennsylvania was uh was bobcats they did this adult hen study and there was like 40 deaths but next to a bobcat between owls and hawks kill a tremendous amount it was like if you added the owls and the hawks and other it was like other avian predators that they couldn't identify what killed it if you added those three up that would exceed the bobcat by far so i mean other birds are coming at these turkeys all the time so they always have to be looking
2: on the lookout. So, go a little bit more into into calling because you have a you say here take yeah. his temperature.
4: So yeah, so I, I would say for like, you know, on the roost that that's another thing too. Like on the roost, the more you call, generally the more all you're really going to do is that bird is going to stay up there in the roost, sit there in the roost, and he's and just going to he's going to gobble and gobble and gobble and gobble and wait for you to come over there so he can see you to fly down. So. I mean, I think generally like less is more, especially on the roost. So maybe you want to, uh, you, I think it's a good idea to let them know you're there. Um, but something really soft, maybe just one or two calls, maybe three, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard. Like I said, I mean, when you, when that bird gobbles at you, it's, uh, it's hard to restrain yourself. As soon as (laughs) I'm
3: convinced that he's heard me, like I'm just making like real soft tree yelps. And if I think that he's heard me, then I'm. Shutting up until he's on the ground. Yeah,
2: yeah. It, you want to call a lot because that bird that we had up here on the on the farm up the road, it was just hammering all like con like every two seconds. It yeah. was just hammering, and you know you just want to call back and have him call you know answer your calls. But
4: and then so like Jeremy, I know you you carry a wing, mm-hmm. so like you like to maybe like if you hear him fly down or or maybe like right before you think he's gonna fly down, some guys will like. You know, take beat a, that wing, beat off, that the wing or off, a beat off the tree. Beat that wing off it, my lap, you yeah.
6: know. Try kind of to s- sound
4: like a bird flying down. S- simulate a hen that just popped down out of the roost. So, I mean, uh, you can do a fly down cackle. So, usually when the turkeys fly down, they, they, they'll cackle. Um, you could try doing that. Um, I don't know. I'm not convinced whether or not it's necessary, but. Um,
2: so, there, there's different types of calls, both in the. The what you're saying with the call and the actual mechanism you're using the call. So there's friction calls like pot calls, push button box calls, and then you have your diaphragm like your mouth calls. Mouth. I like mouth calls. They're cheap, and I practice to and from work because my wife would kill me if I practice in the house. Yeah. So it's everybody's wife. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never, I've never tried pot calls. I have a box call, I have a push button call, but I don't, I take them with me, but I don't really use them.
3: We should, we should start trying to, especially that box call. I feel like you should.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, sometimes
4: too, it's like it's just a different pitch can get a bird going, or it's a uh, almost like a shock, you know, yeah. like so turkeys uh, call like shock gobbling, and so sometimes i think with a mouth call with a mouth call it's uh i think it can be very realistic but it doesn't have that uh that loud shock kind of effect or that
3: pitch sometimes it doesn't carry as doesn't as carry on well the wind yeah. too yeah some of those other calls i feel like sometimes carry a little bit better
4: or or later in the season too when you get start getting leaves on the trees it seems like the sound doesn't carry as good so that's another time um
3: but, you carry uh, a lot of calls with you?
4: I don't, you know, I honestly, like, I don't know. I feel like when I first started turkey hunting, I, uh, I used to use box calls and push buttons and, you know, slate calls. I use all kinds of different calls, but I, I think, I don't know, at least at this point, like I've sort of less is more call. for me. I, there's less stuff to carry yeah. and less stuff. I just try to be so I can, you know, get up and down the hills quicker and easier and I think from my hunting anyway, more times it's been about strategy and about my setup, like where I chose to set up and how much I chose to call and more, more so than the actual call itself. Like, and, and, and more so what, what's the bird like? Does he have a hen? Does he not have hens? Um, it just, to me, it hasn't come into play as much over the years where, it's been, you know, I think you get suckered in a little bit, like, to the marketing of different calls, and you can think, like, oh, man, I got to have that slate, or I got to have that box call, or whatever, and, and, and they'll work good, and I mean, and a lot of guys, too, like, I know guys that have killed tons of birds with push buttons and box calls, and I got a buddy that just cannot run a mouth call. He has a gag reflex, and he just can't do it, and he's killed more turkeys than anybody I know. I mean, he could just... I mean he goes to Massachusetts every year and kills two birds and then kills two birds in New York and I mean probably 95% of the years he's he's getting four birds a year and doesn't ever run a mouth call so it's uh I just like the hands-free aspect of a mouth call. I mm-hmm. can be loud, I can be soft, I can pretty much make all the sounds a turkey's
3: going to make and
2: so on that on that note what were what the different types of sounds that you guys like to use Uh,
3: i i do use box calls quite a bit
2: but i mean like the but
3: no i mean on a box call
2: i'm cutting like loud aggressive cutting
3: like sometimes just almost like a shock effect just trying to get that bird to gobble so if i'm trying to locate birds i'll just take that box and just you know i'm just running it hard and loud and just trying to get something fired up um mouth calls you know just yelps um, some cutting.
2: Do you, do you purr? Do you try to purr at all?
3: I don't on a mouth call. I, I will purr on a slate or a glass call, um, but not that often. I mean, if I if it, if I think a turkey's close enough that I would need to purr to it,
2: it's, it's I, within sh- range to shoot, shoot, shoot them in the face know? anyway. So
3: I'm not doing a lot of purring usually. Yeah. Some clucks yeah. here and there. I'd say mostly Yelts cutting clucks. At least in the spring, and you yep. know. Some cackling and
4: yeah. cutting and yeah, it's trying to get trying to you know. get a bird excited. So, and I guess another part of it, too, we didn't talk about this yet, too. Another, like, factor is how much pressure, you know. Like, if you happen to be in an area where there's a lot of pressure, like, it can be, make things a lot more difficult versus if you were able to Find an area for whatever reason, like where there isn't a lot of pressure, or you're able to get off the road farther than everybody else, or whatever it is. Like <clears throat> that's that the goal can, of the mountain bike. Yeah. Get back in there. That yeah. that can help tremendously too. Like unpressured birds can make you seem really smart. I mean, birds that haven't been hunted a lot, they're uh, you know they're going to be more susceptible than a bird. They have that's... their guard down. Yeah, exactly. So, so can you can you
5: can they tell? Like if you don't do a call right, will that just like will they just turn around and go the other way? Are they picky about that?
3: I think to a point. I mean, I've heard some really bad calls out in <laughs> the woods. That yeah, that I could easily heard, say yeah. there's no way that's turkey. a turkey. But yeah. I also think you just make some mistakes. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've heard turkeys where you know I'm like, yeah. there's no way that's a real turkey. That's a yeah. guy and yeah. it's a turkey. You know, so as long as it's passable yeah. yeah i mean and you you'd be shocked at some of the noises that turkeys actually make i've heard turkeys that sound like bicycle horns before like yeah. you know like jakes and stuff. oh you had jakes that yeah. sound oh, ridiculous yeah. so i mean you never know there's been a lot of times where i've been fooled by real turkeys you know thinking Absolutely. like oh man that's a guy yeah that's a
5: boy. two guys calling back and forth <laughs> each other yes <laughs>
6: like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's WaypointPod50 at Factormeals.com slash WaypointPod50 to get 50% off.
1: After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile for details.
2: So we're in the preseason right now, and we're each doing our little bit to scout. Jeremy, you like to get the mountain bike and get back in That's far and, and and listen. But really, is that is, is that basically the what's I guess what the best strategy to take when? I just when like the
3: mountain bike because I can cover way more ground and way faster. So you're so I'm you're,
2: just. Going back wherever, the the this gated t- roads yeah, or whatever. Yeah, this time of year,
3: I'm looking for a gated road that's keeping people from, you know, they're going to have to walk back or they're going to have to ride a mountain bike. And I don't see too many people that are riding mountain bikes, so I'm getting back there and I'm just, you know, early in the morning, I'm just calling off, you know, Ridges and off points, and just hoping to hear birds. If I don't hear anything, I hop back on the bike and just keep going, keep going, and just till Co- I hear birds
2: and cover cover a much. good
3: couple miles on the mountain bike makes it so much faster. So that's
2: the main thing you're looking for, uh, listening for, looking for is hearing the birds gobbling, knowing that that something's in I that just area, know
3: something's in that area, something's roosting in those that site. Sometimes you know, in the spring, your sites are you can hear a
4: bird from a real long ways, like early in the season before the leaves get on the trees like
2: yeah, right now you,
4: you could hear a bird from i don't know four or five hundred i'm sure even more than that if oh, it's yeah. from ridge to ridge so yeah i mean if you can get out on i mean where we're at we're kind of in a, an area of interesting area from the perspective that there's some agriculture and some areas where you'll have some fields and things where and then we have some big woods too and so um the big woods can be tough because it can be I don't know. It seems like it could be spotty. Like, there
3: could be birds there, and, and uh, it seems like I they feel like move, they move. move a lot, They move too. a lot, yeah. So, so that's the, where the mountain bike helps out It's yep. just trying to locate those birds. I feel like whenever you're hunting agricultural areas and things that are broken up more, those roost sites are maybe a little bit more predictable. Yep. Yep. You're going to use them a lot more. Yes.
4: Yep. And it seems like, I don't know, it just seems like in our area specifically, like, we were just talking about how, like, populations seem like when we were – we both had this like similar experience when we were growing up in the the late 90s it just seemed like there was a lot of turkeys like my first season i ever hunted i missed two birds and then i killed a bird on the last day and kind of a theme here with me (laughs) (laughs) but uh i mean to have three opportunities in one season was like crazy for a 12 year old you know i mean it's tough to get a 12 year old three opportunities right so um, but it just seemed like there was just that kind it of numbers all over the place, Turkeys,
2: yeah. and yeah, I we, think the we, '90s were the good old days. Yeah, for Turkey. On yeah,
4: the... we found some charts online, like with Pennsylvania populations, and that it wasn't just like one of those things where you remember it to be a certain way. It actually, yeah, like, yeah, if really you look always. at it, that's what it showed that the populations were definitely the highest then. What's getting
5: them? codies
3: and.
2: Kite, all those predators yeah fishers, it's funny that you said bobcats
3: because i've yeah. i'm getting a lot of bobcats
4: Cats on, on my camera, trail
2: camera me too yeah i'm getting fishers on my trail camera both, both and you gotta locations. remember
4: too i mean it's there's other predators too like even just raccoons and porcupine i mean if you think about all the things that can get a turkey because they are not just getting the turkey itself they are getting the nests yeah you they're ground yeah. nesting birds yeah pretty susceptible so they have a lot of a lot of predators they even had, uh, they, they traced one of the, that study I was telling you about with the bobcats is the number one. There was even a, um, a black bear killed one, which I was like really surprised <laughs> at. I'm thinking like, holy cow,
2: how could a bear catch a turkey? But I mean, Did pretty it? crazy. So going back to the, to locating the birds, you're, when you're locating them, you're just, you're just getting them the shot cobble. You're using... Like a, an alcohol. I'm using Ooh. an
3: alcohol. Yeah, I can do an alcohol on my hands. That's mostly what I'm using. Yeah. I don't I'm, ever hardly run turkey calls
2: for for just locating. No,
3: no sense in letting them know. Yeah, letting yeah. them hear them.
2: No. I think my dad used crow calls. I have an an owl call because I can't do it by my hand. But I don't. It's not loud enough. I can't. Yeah, my I hands. Can't... I can get it
3: real loud, and it just seems to work the best for me i've used crow calls in the past but I, it seems like i haven't lately i don't really know why i just i think the alcohol works good enough so just use that don't care and then we were talking about like on the
4: beforehand and we discussed about too is like so then you hear them on the roost and then how close do you want to get right so it's, you want to get right up on top of them,
3: or do you want to? Depends on whether I know. If I know they're in there, if I roosted them the night before, I'm trying to get close. Like I'm trying to. Get that's an advantage.
4: That's something we didn't talk about too. Is doing the evening before trying to roost them. So, yeah, definitely. If you if you're able to get out the night before and and hear them, and you
2: know right where they flew up, then I'm trying to get as huge close advantage
3: as I can. Yep. Yeah,
2: that's what we did last year. Yep. We we went out the, that Sunday night, and we found right where they were at, or had a general idea. And then Monday morning, we snuck right in, and I I actually watched them fly out of the tree right on our side of the hill. I mean, they were almost within range coming off the roost.
4: Yep. And uh, so, if you have a <clears throat> if you have the ability to get out the night before, and uh, you know if, you, if you've so you've scouted, you've heard of turkeys preseason. You know they're in that general area, and you can go out the night before and understand where they are beforehand. It just so saves when, time in the morning. And
2: When you say the night before, what's like – And you don't want to get out there too early because you want to get them while they're already roosted. Yeah. And you don't want to be out there too late because – it's they're it's, done gobbling they're the right problem, yeah, yeah you might only get a couple gobbles i mean it,
4: and sometimes it um, sometimes it'll be one it may be one be one like i mean i've had times where i've been out the, it doesn't like, always work the night before and no gobbles and they come into the same place the next morning and they're lighting up yeah. so
2: it's basically be- would you say the best time is like after the sun sets but before it gets i would say dark. it's yep.
3: like just before it gets dark that's yeah. the, when i've had the most success is like literally the the, the very last couple yeah, minutes half hour, before yeah. it's gonna get that's when and and i'll i'll hoot and it might just be one gobble and i'll try it again and nothing so but at least i know i know they're there i know roughly hopefully if i mean depending on how close they are i can sometimes pinpoint like okay if i know the area and i know the terrain. I might know like where that bird's roosting, and then the next morning I can sneak in there and
2: see that. That's another hot tip for scouting: is know the area well. So if you can pinpoint that gobble, the, when that when it gobbles, yeah, you know how to get in there. Yeah, you know what it looks get,
3: like, and you know how to access it, and you you might know by looking at like I use On X a lot. By looking at On X, I might be able to predict like. I can just say, like, okay, it was over here. And I look at my own axe. I'm like, oh, he's roosting on that point. You know, he's out on that point. So I at least know where to start.
2: And and you find that the gobblers like, the, like to go on those points? Absolutely, yeah.
3: That's oftentimes it's where they can through. be heard the farthest, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, because yeah. they're
2: trying to project their sound yep. to to attract the hens. So then
4: there's there's a lot of strategy to, like, okay – how close can i get so you know if you're lucky enough to roost one the night before and you're going to try and get in there the next morning then it's okay how close can i get without bumping bumping them right and so that's like earlier is better so the sooner you can get in and then there's some things that happen like if it's dry out and the leaves are crunchy then it's like you might not be able to get as close if it's just rained and it's nice and wet and damp and you're in hemlocks where it's dark and so yep. there's a lot of factors. How much moonlight is there? How mm-hmm. much cover is there? What kind of area are you in? So there's, there's a lot, a lot of factors. But you definitely don't want to
3: bump them off the roost.
6: No, then, you don't. Then you're screwed. But <laughs>
3: if I know they're in there, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive than I would. Yeah. You know? and I've, I've had times where, like, I'm taking my headlamp, my headlamp and, you know, like how they usually have, like, the red setting. Yeah. And then they have, like, the, you know, white light. I'm on the red setting and I'm covering... Like with my finger, the red light, just letting a little crack of light, sh- you know what I mean? And I'm walking in complete dark just with that little tiny little crack of light just trying to just, and I'm going slow. We're just like barely, barely moving. I don't want to break any sticks. I don't want yeah. to be rustling leaves.
4: Some of the best mornings I've had too are just like, I'll be trying to get close and not realize there's other turkeys. Mm-hmm. And I've had where I like, sat down and then as it's getting light and the birds in front of me i've had birds beside me i've had behind, birds above yeah, me right I've directly above you right behind that. me like some of my best hunts have been that way where it's you've got closer than you really probably should have but you know it, or, it worked like, and you got you know, away with yeah, it i mean
3: you I know. can think of th- at least three different times where that's happened to me yeah. where i've literally gone out the night before Al hooted, one gobbles. I mean, I, I know he's there. I don't know exactly where he's at. And ended up literally right underneath him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not intentionally, like, just, yep. but. And then it gets light, and I'm like, oh, jeez, he's right there. And just flies down. And We boom. had, <laughs> this is a good, sto-
4: good story. Like, we had this bird my um, with my dad when I was maybe, like, in high school. And every morning, I don't know, for maybe, like, four or five mornings in a row, we hunted this bird, and it would, like, fly down and talking about that going away from you my dad started calling it the 180 effect where like the, the hens would lead the gobbler off and so you know i don't know I remember if it was the fifth morning sixth morning, whatever it'd been a bunch of mornings in a row where that same thing had happened he'd have to go to work i'd have to go to school so finally my dad's like <clears throat> well, i want you to go and you wherever he gobbles you're gonna go and get as close as you can to him and I'm gonna go 180 degrees away from you, and I'm just gonna call loud and obnoxious and just carry on a ruckus, right? Back to yeah, you. <laughs> basically, yeah. And so I got in, and I I got as close as I dared, and I sat down, and all of a sudden I hear a hen yelp like right behind me, and I'm thinking like perfect. And this bird starts gobbling, and I could actually see him up in a tree strutting at like 60, 70 yards, and he like pitched down out of the tree my dad's yelping and carrying up a storm and he's gobbling and he like comes right the hens behind me and he like comes in right to me it's like 35 yards pull up pow missed him (laughs) 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 but yeah i mean it was one of those situations though i like i got closer than i probably should have but it worked out and so i'd say like i mean it's definitely is an advantage if you can get close so but you definitely just don't want to spook them but sometimes
2: that happens so some some other strategies some things that i learned with, while hunting with jeremy is the, you typically want to set uphill from the bird they, they like to travel uphill they don't really like yeah. to go
4: and I, I think there's some truth to that and sometimes uh i think that it, it's not all it's not always the case right but i it's think in, in general the there's in general, well. like i can think of a time when I. I um, there was a bird that I had, I had hunted a bird in the an evening and had him pretty hot and, um, just ultimately didn't end up getting them. This was when like Pennsylvania first started the, the evening season. And, uh, so I started out in that area the next morning where I had last heard them, um, and nothing, but I could hear this bird gobbling all the way down the bottom of the hill, across the road and up on the other side. And so it was like, daunting because i had just gone up to the top of this hill on the one side i'm thinking like oh my gosh he's got to he's this is it must be another one that i'm hearing like there's there's got to be a bird on my side and i waited and waited and waited and it was really light and there was no other goblin on my side of the hill so i went all bombed all the way down to the bottom of the road come back up the road and he was already on the ground and i'm below him and i'm thinking like i really don't want to go get above him and i'm calling and he's pretty hot but I just like, seems like he just won't come in close enough. Right. And so finally I'm like, all right, quit being lazy. So I circled around, got above him and no sooner did I do that. And he was a goblin right where I had just left from. And I'm thinking like unbelievable, you know, but at that point I knew I just needed to call one or two more times. And he was like, he was by himself. Right. And he was, he was going to come. I just needed to be patient. And so I just called a couple times and I was like, quiet, shut up. And sure enough, he like, I got really lucky. I was in a super thick spot and he actually kind of circled around me a little bit. And I actually heard him alarm. I like had moved. I'm trying to look. I didn't have a tree even. I'm like such thick covered, It's like not even a, a sapling big enough to sit against. I'm kind of just in this little hole and I hear an alarm putt to my left, hard left. And I was able to like just swing and, and shoot him but you got that one. I got that one. <laughs> there's one. Yeah,
3: there's one. <laughs> It's the only but, turkey he's ever killed, <laughs> but point being
4: that bird came downhill like easily. Right. I mean, he would have, if I was just patient on the previous setup, I would have killed him the first time. So, but again, and that's where a bird without hens makes you, you know, think you're smart or think you're good. Right. It's like, if, if they don't have hens in general, like you can probably make some mistakes and call too much. It doesn't matter. Like,
3: you have such a better chance. Generally, I'm trying to get even with them. I'm either trying to get even with them or above them. I don't like to be below, but I'm okay being, if I'm on, you know, level playing field with them, I'm okay. If I'm above them, I'm great, but I don't really usually like to be below them.
4: I don't know what all's to it, but it just seems like if you're flying, right, like it'd seem, you know, if you're coming down out of the roost, it'd be easier to just, like you're saying, like, land even elevation or even just it's a shorter flight right to just turkeys maybe aren't the most super graceful flyers all the time right so it's easier to just pitch down and land uphill than it is to like go bomb and we have some pretty steep terrain around here right so it's like are they going to bomb way downhill and no probably not right like it just makes sense that it'd be easier to fly down even elevation or or up a little bit so
5: I think they do it for safety there's been a lot yeah, of times mean, where yeah. i trying to get as high as i can so if they need to fly they can fly away that could be better yeah. easier
4: yeah.
3: maybe there's been a lot of times where i've regretted like
4: pin down low or
3: setting or up yeah. somewhere and thought to myself man if i was why did i do that if i was just a little bit higher if i was you know i had the opportunity to go higher and i didn't go higher why didn't i you know what i mean so i feel like when i can i'm gonna get above them
2: good to know you talked about setting up where it was real thick and you got busted, but you were able to get the shot off. Do you do you try to to set up where there's more... I, th- I guess you'd want to set up more where there's an opening so you could get a shot, but... Yeah, you don't I think,
3: want too open, though. Yeah. Too open. You get picked off easily. And they're just... They're able to see. You know what I mean? They can see... If they can see all this open area, <laughs> then they should be to able be, to see the hen. Supposed you to know be the hen, I mean, right? So why would they come? Yeah. And I think... uh
4: that was a tip I saw on a on a video, you know, on YouTube or something. This guy was saying how, like, when you first hear a bird gobble, if let's just say you've been hunting and whatever, the first setup didn't work, which is almost always, right? Like, in the first thing in the morning, not almost always, but a lot of the times it doesn't work, your first setup, right? So then the bird goes off and you hear him gobbling and you're going to reset up again. Um, if you hear a bird gobble, like... You, you usually have a little bit more time than you feel rushed, right? It's like, oh my gosh, i got to get, get set up. i got to sit down, right? Especially if you haven't heard a gobble in a while. You've been walking around and you all of a sudden, boom, you get a bird to gobble. Yeah,
3: and then you start making bad decisions and you, you sit somewhere. You get somewhere.
4: rushed and you just make a bad decision. You just sit down, find the first place to sit down. Whereas if you take just a little bit of time, like the guy was saying, the first thing he does is he turns around looks the other way from where the bird gobbled and looks back behind him to say, okay, is there... A tree behind me, where I could, you know. So then you, then you're seeing what the turkey's going to see when he comes in, right? So you're going to look behind you and see, okay, yeah, that tree there. I can put a little brush, I can move a twig, I can move a like you know branch or something, and kind of use that as a little bit of cover. So that's something I've
3: been trying to do is just like realize I have a little bit more time than take that second or two to actually think it out and plan it out rather than just plopping down somewhere and then being like, oh, this is stupid.
6: Why did I? Yeah,
3: exactly. I can't swing my gun. I can't. You know what I mean. I think.
4: I mean, it's like a lot of things, right? It's just
2: you're going to get experience with. The more time you're out there, the more the more you learn. Exactly. Or the more you realize how much you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean,
4: it's a it's a game with hindsight's twenty twenty for sure.
2: Okay, so with setting up, you want to break up your outline. Just yeah. like deer hunting, you want to break up your outline. Yeah. Sit in front of a big tree, or get- yeah, I'm
3: looking for a tree that's probably at least as wide as my shoulders to break up my outline, or or some kind of brush. It doesn't have to necessarily be a tree, but usually it's a tree because I want to sit up against something. And and that could can be, be a while. That could be a
4: little bit of safety too. So, like, I mean, if there's other hunters out there, and if you got a backstop, like if you got a bird goblin in front of you, depending on where you're at, and.
3: Yeah,
2: that's. You got a nice solid uh, tree behind you. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) makes you feel a little safer. (laughs) But with with that, you want to be in full camo. Because, like we were talking about, the eyesight of the turkey, and I, I opened up where turkey sees, they have a field of vision of about 270 degrees, where we have 180. And. But what I was talking about, the rods and cones they have seven different kinds of photoreceptors one rod four single cones and two double cones so they see a broader spectrum of colors so they see color better than us and they can also see an ultraviolet is that why some camel has like the uv coating on it or whatever yeah you don't want to use because there's some laundry detergents that have brighteners in them and what that is it's it's like UV oh, yeah. so okay. i don't know if you'd be glowing per se to a turkey but it would definitely it, it would be a change yeah. a change in the surroundings you know a dull color versus a a bright a brighter color so humans have one rod and three single cones so we only have four different kinds of photoreceptors where the turkey has seven different kinds so that's why they they have one of the reasons why they 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 have better eyesight so camo is important and uh we got some allen gloves and neck gaiters yeah i'm liking
3: this uh liking this neck gaiter
2: yeah it has a spawn in there you can put your mouth mouth calls right right there easy access the gloves are the same way they have it i need that
3: because i lose my mouth calls all the time i end up putting them in my pockets and then they get shoved down in there and i can't find them and-
2: yeah, I, I like the shocker gloves because you can put the call right in the back. There's pockets right in the back of the hand. Mix You're good it. for COVID season,
5: too. So wear those into the store. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what else do we have to talk about? Pattern
4: what, pattern your shotgun, right, Corey?
2: Right, yes. So I did do that last year at the start of the season. and You did or did not? I did not. At, the, at preseason, I okay. did not. And I had to... I won um, a Mossberg 835 in a gun raffle a long time ago, and I had never taken it turkey hunting. It has a scope on it. So I took the scope off, and I was just using the bead. But when that turkey came in, I, th- I think there's several reasons why I missed that turkey. But one of them was You were nervous, I, were you? That might have been it. I felt like the turkey spooked for some reason. Couldn't have been... Tony's phone Going
3: off they, right?
2: I don't know <laughs> Wasn't that, was that the story like No I was, was... Uh, I
3: was trying to video And
4: it was Just like First light Right And these birds Come in And like I, I hit Hit record And the And the light Came on the phone Oh
3: like Cause the, it was so dark Like the flash <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah that'll do it
2: Yeah So
4: but yeah, Corey forgot to take the doesn't mount. doesn't matter what kind of no, camo you have no, on, if you're well, running, well, I had the the rail on for <laughs> he the scope. Forgot to take the mount off, so you couldn't really see down the rib. <laughs> but no, the point is, is like you should, you should pattern right. So yeah, I mean, you should sort of know where you know
2: not sort of you should know where your gun's gonna hit. So you should I, know if you still have the rib on. Well, I did know it. <laughs> I couldn't get it. I think it's tight on there. I couldn't I get it off.
4: I think. The point is, is if you would have patterned it, you would have... Yeah, I would have left the scope have... on. Or, right, and, right.
2: And after... Way, the, yeah. the next day... Or was it the next I day? I missed... Yeah. I, I patterned my shotgun. I missed a lot of turkeys,
4: like, over the years. And it seems like you shouldn't miss them. Like, you shooting a shotgun, has a pretty good
2: pattern. Like, there should be no excuse. But, but there's some science to it that I didn't... Until last year after the miss and talking with you about what i needed to do to pattern there's a there's a science to it there's different things you need to do
4: no i mean i think so i think if you're gonna use a like i like the idea of using a red dot or a scope of some sort of i don't know i mean but a lot of guys would say that's nonsense you don't need that much that's fine as long as you pattern and you are confident in whatever you're going to use so i think if you know, it's like a, I don't know, I feel like it's because it's a shotgun, you feel like, Oh, I don't need to practice, right? It's gonna it's a shotgun. I'm, how am I gonna miss, right? Well
3: I'm here to tell you that you can miss turkey very easily. Oh when so. you start looking at some of the patterns that these guns throw with tight, you know, number fours. Well, uh, I'm saying no, no not yeah. tight. You okay, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. people go out with a shotgun yep. thinking, Oh, this is yep. this is gonna be okay and then they shoot it on paper and they're like, Oh well, wow, there's gaps
2: everywhere. There's yep. The, so the BBs are so far apart, and you you were pattering your shotgun tonight, yeah. And you brought some of your your targets. Let's go a little more in depth with this. But yeah, when I was doing it last year, I took an a uh, five gallon bucket, drew a circle on a piece of paper, went back to thirty five yards, got a nice solid rest, and shot at the middle. Put my Scope my crosshairs on the middle of that and shot and i adjusted base i got a big piece of paper so i could see which way the pattern was going where the the bulk of the bbs were hitting and i adjust my scope to move that bulk into the center and when i got a hundred bbs inside that 10 inch circle 10 inch circle yep and it seemed to be centered centered yep i i said 35 yards is my
4: and you can make a centering as scientific as you want to make it. Your eyes are pretty good judge, I think, and seeing where it's at, or you can grid it off. That's sort of what I've kind of been doing here the last couple of years is I make make a ten inch circle, make a twenty inch circle, and then I just draw crosshairs through it and count how many are in each quadrant. So you get like little pieces of pie and you just I think it's a good way to do it if you want to get... So we can see if it's balanced. Yep, exactly. You can get pretty scientific about it if you want. So, But I think the basic message is is if you're going to... Obviously, if you use a red dot, then you can... That's the advantage is that if your gun does pattern left or right or up or down a little bit, you can adjust for that versus with a bead. You're doing Kentucky windage, which... Compensating and that's never good. No. So, but if you know what you have, then you can repeatably, you know, you can do it, then that's, I mean, there's a sim. the nice part about using a bead is it's simple, right? Like there's nothing to fail. There's no battery run out. and But you just need to practice and know where your gun's going to hit. And know what the best load is. Know what the best load is and what gives your gun the best pattern. So, and there can be, you know, some guns will shoot better dirty. Some guns will shoot better clean. Um, you can, try with different loads so i mean the new rage in turkey hunting is is this tss which i've kind of bought in for like youth wise like we're talking about jeremy and i had my son out three years ago and he missed a bird and um we were using number five's three inch lead and I was showing you guys that pattern I had with number five, three-inch lead, and it's pretty poor at 35 yards. Maybe two or three in the kill.
2: He's using a 20, 20 gauge. 20
4: gauge, and and so this TSS this tungsten super shot. That stuff is basically with number nines, which is a lot smaller, tiny pellet. Pellet. You can you can shoot, you know, a ton more pellets in a in a sub gauge in a 20 or. I mean, there's guys so it's just way more dense, way than lead. more dense. I mean, it's, it's like 18 grams per centimeter cube versus lead is like, I think it's 11 and a half or 12. So, I mean, it's almost 50% more dense. And so with the smaller pellet too, you get better penetration and there's less wind resistance. So ballistically it's better. So basically like the number nine shot with TSS is as good or better than number five lead. Um, and so you know, for sub gauge shotguns, it's in my opinion, it's it's the way to go. Downside, sh- it's expensive. It's expensive. It's very it's, expensive, especially I mean, now.
3: Oh, my yeah. It's I was like looking six at six bucks, bucks a store around. the other day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. like six dollars yeah. a round or something like that. Yeah, or even maybe more. Seven. You turned bucks me onto buttons. those uh, Winchester Long Beard XRs.
4: I think that's what I'm using yeah. Right now. Yeah, I like yeah. those a lot. It feels like it, if you shoot a 12 gauge, you don't really need the TSS. You know, those Long Beard XR. It's got this like liquid buffer in it, and it's some pretty incredible patterns you can get out of a 12 gauge.
5: Yeah, yeah and I'm yeah, my gun using a, like a so. three and a
2: half inch mag. The thing knocks you on your butt. Yeah. So,
5: do you hope yeah. guys all have magnum shotguns? Or you you guys shooting?
2: I shoot two, a three,
5: three and a
4: half, half. or threes. I shoot three and a half. I've, I've been using my son's 20 gauge. I take him out until he gets one and then I just use his gun so with the TSS it's I mean it's yeah. I like carrying around the light like smaller shotgun and it's, it's nice for if you're running and gunning and
2: trying to cover ground so if, if any of our listeners out there are successful this year um, we have or Ryan and Emily Long of the way we Hunt has a they have a how to clean video. We'll put that in the show notes, um, so take a look at that before you go out so you have an idea what you're doing, um, but now let's move to, you got your, you got your turkey, did your scouting, you did your shot patterning, you did everything right, and you got a turkey on the ground, you cleaned it, now we're cooking it, um, there's a couple recipes that, that I like to do, um. The meat eater put out a Chick Fil A copycat recipe for turkey nuggets, and you marinate them in pickle juice, and then you you deep fry them. I have a, I really, really enjoy that recipe. That's good with the Chick Fil A sauce, and then don't leave your legs and thighs in the woods because Hank Shaw has an awesome turkey carnita recipe uh, that you use use the legs and thighs for them so i highly recommend that recipe we'll put those in the show notes um what are your do you guys have
4: i'm a big fan of that yeah, turkey just, sarnita yeah second
3: third throw, that one
2: yeah we like, all cooked that one it's yeah, like we've i couldn't all, believe been, every
3: single year we're cooking that yeah it's uh I
4: couldn't believe i was thrown away i mean for years it was ter- i know this is terrible but we just like
3: cut the yeah, breast just out assume they're inedible and- yeah are difficult they're to cook so tough, getting. and they're not going to be any good to eat. But, man, you showed us that, and, I mean, it literally just falls right apart. It's good.
2: We also have some uh, recipes on the Harvest in Nature website. Uh, I believe uh, one of our contributors, LC Hunter, put out a turkey and white wine persini fricassee recipe. So check that one out. And then our other another field staff writer, Sean West, has a wild turkey ravioli with brown butter sage sauce. So those those are some very good looking recipes we'll have to maybe if I'm successful this year I'll, I'll try one of those. Um, is there any any other any other things you'd like to I'm excited about this uh Chick fil A copycat. I'm gonna try I that. I think I tried that maybe. Yeah? I think you I think you told me about that last year and I think I tried it. It was pretty good. And that pickle juice yeah. is the key to that.
3: Yeah, it tasted just like a like a Chick-fil-A sandwich because they always put the pickles on them. Yeah, it's delicious. I was just
5: wondering what a fricassee is. A fricassee, let's see here. It's fricassee, I think a Bugs Bunny for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Taffy Duck. Or so something? Yeah.
2: the fricassee, potatoes, olive oil, thyme, salt, pepper, butter, cheese. But the fricassee is you use. The turkey breasts, olive oil, salt pepper, mushrooms, uh, bell pepper, onion, flour, white wine, broth, some lemon, sugar, egg yolks, heavy cream, parsley, thyme, garlic, butter. and so Pretty much your
5: whole refrigerator <laughs> right. is in this fricassee. So, Sounds pretty good.
2: You, dred, you dredge, dredge the breasts in uh, flour, and you brown them in in a skillet, and then you put them put them with some with the potatoes.
3: I'll be up for that meal when you make it, Corey. Yeah,
5: that sounds pretty good. Yeah,
2: <laughs> sounds I, delicious. I mean, there's, I mean, the rest the ingredient list is is kind of long, but it's nothing crazy. Most most of the stuff I think a lot of people would have in their in their pantry. I think the main thing I would have to buy are the mushrooms. There's porcini and button mushrooms that you put in there. But well, we could go
5: crazy and harvest some mushrooms out of the forest. Pick, pick some more
2: doing. Yeah, well, I've never Since found... The season. Yeah, I've never found morel. i got to go looking for leeks. Yeah, it's leek season. Yeah. But I, I don't trust myself looking for mushrooms. No,
5: it's... it's A lot of... I, I, I feel mushrooms. like that's, you better know your mushrooms, otherwise you, you're going to be in trouble.
4: Yeah. What was your tip? rangefinder. If you're an archery hunter and you have a rangefinder, that's uh that was one I that was a new one that I screwed up last year. So, I missed turkeys for all kinds of reasons.
3: I've been doing that the last not not so much last year, the year before like 3 4 years ago. I was in that same boat because it was early season and up here, you know, there's no vegetation. So you got these birds coming in. Especially if you're
4: in like public land where you got big open hardwood. Yeah. It can be tough to know. Yeah. This this bird I missed last year, it was in that snowstorm. It was the day Corey killed a bird. You guys had texted me, oh, I got one. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I've been like, I was like six miles in at that point. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go until we're out of time. And uh, literally there's snow on the ground. I'm up in this like super steep stuff. I'm coming along and I hear calling every 100 200 yards and i call and i'm like bird hammers and i had like nowhere to go it was wide open where i was at big mature hardwoods but i'm at like the bottom of this like real steep drop off and he's like just on top of it so i was like i'm not gonna be able to circle around i didn't really have any choice but to just basically sit down where i was at and uh, i was in like kind of just like a little bit of a bowl and this bird like hammers and hammers and I was just like stubborn and not calling anymore just called a little bit and finally he like breaks down off the edge of this bowl and he's like turns to commit to drop down into it and I'm like I had a log in mind that I thought was like 40 yards and he like comes right up to that log and I'm thinking close enough I shot and missed him I come back later with my range finder, brought my dog cause it seemed like I might've rolled them and wanted to make sure if maybe I could like find them, you know? So, uh, I brought my range finder and it was like 52 yards. So I was, you know, off by quite a bit. So, I mean, this is like another lesson learned. It's like, I have a range finder. Why not bring it with me and check the range? And so yeah, bring your range finder.
3: Hot tip. I think it's easy to get sucked in right now too. I feel like, there's a lot of talk about shooting turkeys at longer ranges yeah. and I feel like 40 know, yards is
4: a good, I think it's like, if you, especially if you pattern and you know, but like, I think 40 yards is a good, is a good goal, right? Like try not to shoot yeah, more than 40 no yards. more than 40 yards. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, it's like, that's part of the challenge of it, right? Is getting close. Like, and then they, by the time they get to 40 yards, that's, that's super exciting. Yeah. Like, so it's worth the wait.
3: And sometimes I feel like your setup can kind of help you out too. Like if you're hunting on a top, you know, you can get over to the edge close enough so that when they, when pop, they, up over. And they pop up, yep. you're within that range rather than setting yep. up back towards the middle, you know, and then they've got to come and commit and they've got to come all the way across there. If you can just get them so that they pop up to see what's on the top and then, you know, you see a beard and you can. Yep. Kill them at thirty yards. Rather
4: than, which is nice is obviously you're not going to be like ranging the turkey. Generally speaking, as it comes in, but yeah. ranging the tree or yeah. rock or mm-hmm. exactly. Or then you got an
2: idea where you got to wait. So we like to end the show with um, a last thought. So I'll just like I'm dealing cards. Jeremy, do you have a, a last thought? How about on? a favorite turkey hunt? Yeah, what? Yeah, what's your favorite turkey hunt? Mm, favorite turkey
3: hunt. Maybe I'll go second. Tony, you got it?
6: <laughs>
3: uh, One that sticks out in my mind, it actually wasn't a spring gobbler hunt. It was a fall turkey hunt. But we were talking about hunting in the 90s and how many turkeys there were. And we used to hunt over in Potter County um, out of a uh, hunting camp over there. And that day, I mean, I don't know, fall turkey hunting, you would think like, like right now, like if we went out as a group of six guys, how many people were going to kill a turkey? You know, you probably one or two, all six of us killed a turkey that day. I mean, so like, it just shows you like there was a ton of turkeys. That's crazy. I mean, it was. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, and I was, of course, the last one to kill one. <laughs> and it was like late afternoon by the time. I think I missed like two that day. But yeah, like I finally got one, like, and that was the six bird. So. It's
4: a pretty cool hunt. Yeah. Probably my favorite hunt. Like I'm torn because I've been lucky. And like I said, and my son's got two birds. And so those are definitely really awesome and memorable, but maybe I'd give the nod to my dad and grandpa on this one. So, um, my first bird I ever killed. So I had mentioned that I missed two that year and I was like really devastating. We were crying and just, I mean, being absolutely upset. And, uh, I finally killed it was the last day me and my dad were out in the morning we're out I remember like one of the few times my dad's ever been upset with me and it was like I was like complaining because I was hot and thirsty and like you know it's the end of May and we had hiked a long ways and hadn't heard anything all morning um, and so it was like 10 10 30 and we went home and yeah you know, this is before the days of cell phones and text messages and all that crap so We got home and one of my dad's good friends, that was a big turkey hunter, he had stopped at our house and he'd had to go like way out of his way to come to our house. Like it wasn't like on his way home or something. He like had come to our house and he told my little sister that your bird's at the gas well. And there was this a spot where I had missed these turkeys that year, and we had like after I missed the second one in there, it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of gobbling left going on in there. And so we'd kind of like given up on that spot. Well, my dad's buddy was out that morning and just had happened to stop by there and listen and heard a bird gobbling. He went in, called a bird in. I don't, who knows if it was the same bird or not, but had called a bird in and felt like guilty that he was in our spot. Didn't shoot it. And so he left, went back to our house and told my little sister, who's, what's the chances of like, at the time my sister would have been like eight. I was 12. What's the chances of an eight year old? remembering and I don't even know why she was home alone or my mom was busy with something, whatever, but so she had you know, this guy, Mel Dinger, had told my my dad told my little sister, Hey, your bird's at the gas well. And so my dad's like, you know, we get home, it's ten thirty. I had just been whining and saying I was thirsty and tired and he's like, I'm like, let's go, you know, and he's like, No, we're not going out. He's like, there's no chance with you know, we're not gonna hear that bird. And I'm like, come on, let's go, we gotta go, you know, so we got out, and it's, like, a little after 11. We go down in this spot. We set up. My dad makes a few calls, nothing. Makes a few calls, nothing. So we're just standing up to leave. My dad's like, oh, did you hear that? I'm like, I didn't even hear it, right? My dad's like, oh, yeah, bird just gobbled. So he's, and we're talking about, like, late morning gobbling. It was like, he didn't call anymore. And sure enough, here comes this bird up. And uh ended up being, like, one of the biggest birds I ever killed. I had, like, 10 and a half inch beard, inch and... In, 16th or inch and eighth spurs, and it was almost 20 pounds still on the last day. So, nice. It was pretty, uh, pretty super exciting for your first turkey kill. So, perseverance, too. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Like Sticking to stick, it. Sticking to yeah. it.
5: Tyler? Well, I don't have any turkey hunting stories, really.
3: How about just a, a, your favorite hunting story?
5: Well, I did, I do like to go with uh, some of my friends that were actually good turkey hunters and doing the scouting thing and, and doing the how call and listening to him I, I was like you know I was probably 13 or 14 I would go with with um, their dad and I'm like why would a turkey gobble at a, an owl I could never figure that out for the life of me but
0: it,
4: it works yeah especially when owls are like the biggest kit, one of the bigger killers of them right, right. I know No yeah, am kidding, kidding it's like, why the hell are they gobbling <laughs> yeah. at him
3: you know what I mean like I got one the more out story out yeah answer, I guess can I tell Maybe. one more sure yeah. I got one more story for you So we were over in Potter County and it was my one buddy, uh, his dad owns the camp and we were probably in college. So we were kind of hunting together. And then my dad and his dad were hunting together and we'd both, we'd just like, they drop us off in the car over here and they'd go back over here and we just basically walk the hillsides, just hoping to bust up a flock. And it wasn't I mean, we were only in the in the woods, a couple hundred yards, and here's this huge flock of turkeys, and we run at them, we bust them all up, and they all fly down over the hill, and we're like, oh and we're like high five, and like this is great, you know, this is going to be perfect. So, we get all set up and put our masks on, and we get all ready to call, and here comes these guys up through the woods, and I mean, this is like backcountry Potter County, you know what I mean? So, like these guys are like dressed in like ridiculous clothing for turkey hunting you know what i mean like like no one would ever hunt turkeys and what they were wearing you know they like get one guy had like yellow gloves on and like just like blaze orange and i mean it was just ridiculous but anyhow so there, there were some interesting dudes too so this one guy's like asking us like have you seen my yellow glove and i'm like because he only had one and we're like no dude like we just busted up a flock of turkeys like we're getting ready to call like you know like we haven't seen your glove like no (laughs) we haven't you know and he was like very persistent that he was going to you know find this glove and we're like whatever you know like come on get out of here you know the whole time he's standing there he's like doing this weird thing with his head like kind of like looking up in the air and, and like we're like what is this guy doing like and we're just laughing like howling at this guy and my buddy's real good at like impersonations too so he's kind of like impersonating this guy this whole time you know finally they like you know all right we'll, we'll see you later we even invited them like would you want to sit here like and call like we'll call you a bird in like just sit down you know <laughs> like no that's all right you guys and we're like all right so finally they leave you know it wasn't like I mean they were just down over the hill and my buddy and I are sitting there and we are and we're like what, and we look up, and there. <laughs> that whole time, that guy was looking because there was a turkey sitting directly above us. <laughs> so my buddy just goes like this, like boom, and shoots it out of the tree, and it falls right next to us. But yeah, the whole time, this this guy looking for his yellow glove was like kind of like looking like, hey, like why are you just sitting here waiting to call turkeys? because there's one sitting right above you? <laughs> and that guy talked to us. We had a whole conversation, and that bird never moved. The it just time. stayed there the whole
6: time.
2: Yeah. Super smart turkeys. Talking about. Uh, yeah.
6: Yeah.
2: It's like get I've only gotten a couple turkeys in my life. One of them was last year. That was my first spring gobbler. But back when I was like 12 and 13, I got a couple. And when I was 13, I was with my dad and we were walking down railroad tracks. And someone must have busted a flock. Because as we we're walking down, this one flies right over top of us. He goes, get ready shoot it he's said, like, no it's it's a bald eagle don't shoot and then it, it lands on the on the bank and it, it's a turkey and you know i i take my time and i shoot it and i get it and it, and and uh the guys that must have busted it came and started talking to us and everything and and you can still hear it's almost it's almost dark this is fall turkey so you can hunt in the, in the evenings and so it's almost dark so we go home, and I had school the next day. My dad goes out the next morning to that same area because that they um, roosted separately from each other. So he, you know, puts a call in his pocket and gets set up, and you know takes a call out, and then he has to move for whatever reason, and he left his call on the ground. Uh, but he moves, and then the the turkeys are starting to you know come off the roost and come in, so he use he can do a regular mouth call without any diaphragm pretty good. So he called one in with his just his mouth and, and killed one that way. Oh, cool. So, I thought that, that was a pretty was good pretty story. Cool. But, again,
3: we got our, our stuff from
2: Allen Company. We got the Shocker Series stuff. So we got a uh, Tom Taker click stick. So it's a shooting stick that uh, breaks down pretty easily. So you can... Do your running and gunning and set up, and not have to hold your gun on your knee or. And then we got the the sling that, that goes on your shotgun, so it holds a couple shells. And I think yeah, hold it can hold your mouth diaphragm, and it has a little cover on it too, so so your calls don't fall out of the pockets.
3: What's that over there, Corey? This
2: is. A... Oh, that's In, your uh, what is it? A uh... this is the game Gamekeeper Field Combo Pack. So, it is a uh, zip skinny knife, a fixed replaceable blade knife, and um, a saw. So, I hope to put that to use. And then we got the Shocker Series gun case, which has some sweet stuff on it. It has multiple pockets you can put...
3: You don't care if Tony makes some mods to your uh, <laughs> uh, well,
2: we trigger stick here or right. your shooting stick to uh, you. Yeah. So the, the case is awesome because it has pockets galore and then it has a ruler to check your spurs oh, look at that. and your beard. That's pretty neat. And then I think it, it comes off. Like, it's
5: Velcro, too. Yeah, I don't know if you can stick the oh, okay. beard in there. I'm not really sure what that. Yeah.
3: I think you could just take that off and take it with you, honey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, put oh, it in your yeah, vest sure. and then just yeah. have to take it with you.
2: And then the gloves have uh, pockets on the back of the hand, so you can put your your um, mouth calls in there. And then you have the pack. Yeah. And that, it's, uh, what's it called? A run and gun?
3: It's the... Uh, cut and run cut pack. Cut and
2: run so it has spots for your box calls, some extra shells, uh, mouth calls, and then a couple zippered pockets. Yep. So it's a nice compact pack uh, to take out there. Oh, it's got a magnet the, too. I like yeah, that. magnet. Yeah, magnet to keep everything quiet. That's no, sweet. no zipper no pockets. And-, <laughs> and then we got a, a nice folding turkey stool that you can take in, take in the woods with you.
3: It would be good for kids. Yeah. Keep them up off the ground.
2: Yep. I like to use, uh, Alan has a, it's their Vanish series. They have a butt pad. I take that everywhere. It's it's quiet. It's nice soft pad to keep my butt dry when I sit on the ground. We also have the Wild Turkey Lifecycle shirt on the website. So What's check that? those out. It is shirt, turkey shirt, t-shirt. Why is it called life cycle? Just because it it had, shows the life cycle of the turkey. So, oh, okay. oh, I get it. Okay. So I the wild wild was. turkey life cycle shirt oh. is shows what eggs and then polts. Eggs to polts to. Haze. So
6: what came first? Young the birds.
2: Or the egg? <laughs> There's a gobbler on here, and
3: then the last one is a, like a roasting turkey. Like
6: oh
2: Right out of the oven. <laughs> so go go check those out. As always, the show notes will be online. So any of the links or information that we talked about during the show, you can uh, get to those in the show notes. So wasn't uh, Ben Franklin a big fan of the wild turkey? Like, yeah, he wanted it to make instead make of the, the bald national... eagle, he wanted it to make, make it our national bird. Yeah. So head over to social media. Follow Harvesting Nature on twitter or instagram or facebook like subscribe (laughs) and review this
3: that was the most random comment ever so didn't ben franklin like the turkey (laughs) i'm gonna have to uh do this
2: offline and add it in
3: (laughs) Uh, I think people wild would wild, like that. Think, yeah. yeah, little little knowledge there, A little yeah. tidbit. nugget, a yeah.
5: tidbit, of information mm-hmm. in the middle of your spiel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Don't you think Ben Franklin liked it wild yeah.
5: oh.
2: Please leave us a review. Tell tell us what we're doing wrong. <laughs> tell us what we're doing right. Pretty Thanks for listening.
5: In the middle of the speech, probably wrong. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs>